The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Rotor World Football Show. It is our Week 18 recap. I am Patrick Darty, joined off the jump by Mr. Denny Carter. Uh, we would be lying if we said we knew what exactly to do with the show. <laughs> there are no fantasy football going forward takeaways. 14 teams moving on to the playoffs. There's 18 teams making tea times. Yep. All right, Denny. That's all they ever do now, right? They, they still they still golf. Are they more reserving like Madden slots? They golf and and infuriatingly, they play like six rounds a year and they're scratch golfers. I know. So, I, mean, they, I mean, it's it's actually so depressing to see that these guys are are, are good at everything, not just football. I think there's that includes video games. I'm sure several of them tonight are joining like online Madden dynasties. Oh yeah, for sure. And I know. What is it about like the the heart of a competitor? They're so good at everything. Like, uh, well, surely I can beat this NFL fullback at chess. Nope. And then they. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, oh, well, I I can get him at table tennis. Oh, God. No, there's literally. So I'm actually good at ping pong. No, you are. I can confirm this. I can guarantee there's not a single active NFL player I could beat in ping pong. Even if they've never played. Uh, like, man, like Pat just got demolished by Jeff Driscoll in ping pong. Yeah. <laughs> Driscoll has really, never never even seen yeah, a ping no, pong table. It was really embarrassing. <laughs> Pat was trying not to cry in front of everyone. I, and I actually can confirm there, there's there's a, a a ping pong table at NBC Sports headquarters, and Pat and I were, were hitting it around. We were, and Pat unleashed a few on me where I was like, "Whoa." I try. You were really good too. I, if we had played for real, I actually don't know who would win. I. I think the dog in you would, would come out triumphant. I, I like so, so in ping pong and in tennis, I like to try to hit winners. I'll say that. Yeah, I yeah, to, yeah, I could see that. <laughs> I try to hit winners. So there are unforced errors occasionally. And Sunday, Denny, there were winners. There were unforced errors. There were no points scored by the Carolina Panthers. It's 2024. They didn't score a single point this calendar year. Uh, so they'll be the only team heading into the 2024 season yet to score in the year 2024. So that's what we begin. The Bucks needed to win to get into the playoffs, and technically they won. Uh, they also scored nine points against the worst team in the league. So we'll, what we are going to try to do tonight, for the teams moving on to the playoffs, we'll talk about maybe a postseason X factor. For the teams being eliminated, we'll talk about like a player to watch heading into 2024. But like the Bucks, like a lot of playoff teams, kind of seem like, you know, this isn't the midseason Bucks anymore. They've taken on a lot of water. No, no. A lot of guys playing hurt, including Baker Mayfield. Yeah. Um, 
if the Bucks are going to make any noise whatsoever in the postseason, you know, they have some of the longest Super Bowl odds, unsurprisingly. Who would you consider like an offensive skill player X factor for the Bucks? I mean, they, they have to get Mike Evans going. And and they tried that today. Uh, Mike Evans, of course, has kind of taken a back seat uh, to Chris Godwin uh, since Godwin's uh, wife posted about Godwin's uh, target numbers. Uh, you know, and it's not 100% a joke. true. It's a, yeah, not a joke. <laughs> um, and uh, so. So, yeah, I mean, Godwin has been the, the wide receiver one uh, since then. And I, I, I think the, the Tampa offense, I don't think it has been less explosive because of that. Because Mike Evans is the big play receiver. Chris Godwin makes no big plays. He's a, he's a solid, really solid underneath guy who can get open, can be the safety blanket. Uh, he serves an important role and, and always has in that Bucks offense. But they, they have to focus on Evans in the playoffs. The problem, Pat, is that Baker Mayfield is beyond banged up. He is he is like Trevor Lawrence-style banged up oh, here. No. Um, he has a rib thing where it was clear that he was having trouble breathing uh, during parts of this game. Um, Yikes. He, he hurt his right ankle to the point where he could hardly walk um, along the sideline. and did what, Didn't get any treatment for some reason, but could hardly walk. Uh, so I, I do think Baker ha- has reached that point where it's like he he definitely shouldn't be playing, um, and uh, I I I don't know what they're going to do. I guess they're just going to tape him up uh, for the for the playoffs. But dirt, um, dirt has being shipped to Tampa Bay yeah. to be rub, rubbed on. <laughs> right. it. They're going to rub more than a normal around, amount of they dirt are. on, on the injury. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and but and so w- with 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 Mayfield being less than 100 percent, I think that affects Evans being a downfield threat for, for the Bucks. But they really do need to have him be the focal point of the offense. So first off, um, speaking to Chris Godwin's wife, never underestimate the heart of a poster. Oh, man. Yeah. Posting gets results. Sometimes it gets a calamitous results, <laughs> but posting gets results in this case. Very, very good results for Chris Godwin. Uh, totally agree about Mike Evans. They, they have no chance, even against the Eagles, they have no chance of springing a playoff upset. I feel like without some big plays from Mike Evans, but uh, therein lies like the first good piece of the, the first piece of good news for Mike Evans. He is playing one of the very worst pass defenses in the entire yeah. NFL. And good news for Baker Mayfield too. When I mean, this Eagles defense is just in dire straits, they if any defense is going to lose to like a one legged quarterback right now, it could be Matt Patricia's Eagles. So that could be just what they need to get Mike Evans going. The game's in Tampa. Um, even this version of the of the Eagles, we know, is probably better than the Bucks. But the Bucks, as division winners, get to host this wild card game, and so yeah. it could be the matchup that Baker Mayfield and Mike Evans need. I I, I agree. You know, the 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 Bucks. I'm sorry, the Eagles have been a pass funnel defense the entire season. That's become even more pronounced in recent weeks. Um, so, uh, you know, unfortunately May- Mayfield's banged up. If Mayfield weren't banged up, I, I would think oh, yeah. the, the, the Bucks might be uh, favorite here. It would I mean, be quote on. It would, it would be a, a major, major problem for the Eagles. Of course, I think the Eagles have major problems with the AJ Brown thing and, and, uh, and Jalen hurts his finger, whatever is happening there. So uh, I, I do think that this is a, a, a problem spot for the Eagles, but Mayfield's health. Uh, is way worse than I thought it would be. Like he, like I, I knew he was banged up. I didn't know he was that banged up. That's interesting. I didn't know it's that to that level either. So definitely something to watch this weekend. You referenced a number of storylines that people have to watch on RotoWorld.com this week. 
Panthers storylines are less less immediate, less compelling than the Bucks. They're heading in an offseason where it's yet another just like top to bottom rebuild, save for the quarterback that they maybe don't want to be rebuilding around right now, but they have no choice but to be rebuilding around Bryce Young. We don't know who the coach is going to be. We don't might not even know who like the GM is going to be. Uh, we know nothing about this team heading into 2024. And I guess it's safe to say that the X factor is going to be Bryce Young um, heading into it. Will be. It will be. Yeah. I, I, in, and whoever gets tasked with making him good is going to have their work cut out for them. Uh, this is a guy in Bryce Young who uh, was dead last in adjusted EPA per dropback. Um, I mean, you wouldn't believe some of the names that uh, that were above him. I mean, we're, we're talking like the worst of the worst here, Zach Wilson, others. Uh, and uh, I, I, either this late season Carolina offense, it's hard to, ju- to, to take any, anything away from that because they actually weren't, they weren't trying to score points in, in, in any real way today. Um, there was no effort to score points. DJ Chark fumbled as sure. it fumbled into the end zone um, uh, on their only big play. Um, but they, they were doing things like, you know, running up the middle on, on second and 12, third and five. Yeah, I mean, it was it was really no effort to score points here. Were they trying to catch the end of the century on Golf Network, Peacock, and, and NBC? They were. They had a lot of Christian. Uh, of, uh, they had a lot of Chris Kirk lineup. I had never heard of this Kirk guy before. Yeah, Every no, golf tournament turn on, there's some new guy I've ever heard Chris, of. Winning. Chris Kirk. Uh, he was. Let me check. Oh, in none of my lineups. So, oh well. And Saudi Arabia just paid him a hundred million dollars. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's probably going to happen on Monday. Um, uh, so yeah, uh, Bryce Young. I just ha- I have some notes here um, about Bryce Young in this game. So. I saw him check into running plays on second and long several times today. Mm. Check into running plays. He liked the look, man. Come on. Yeah, right. And 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 they and none of them worked. By the way, um, he completely turtles when he sees an oncoming rusher. I, I mean, the guy the guy is not even past the line of scrimmage, and Bryce Young just gets down. Like I'm like that's that's it. Like I know I can't take this hit. So I got to get down. He has no hot read. He has no he has no ability to like just get the ball out to somebody. And when he tried that, he almost threw a pick six in the in the first half. He also Pat goes down with with the with basically the, the offensive end uh, breathing on him. You know, like like it it doesn't take much to knock this kid down. He can't see over the line. I I, I don't. I there's no way around the the lack of skill and the size issue the size issue really is going to be everything i don't know how you get around that well and potentially an edict maybe just not to get hurt heading into 2024 but maybe yeah we'll talk about bryce young a lot they the panthers they they've been on to 2024 since way before halloween we are on to chiefs chargers Um, not a whole lot to talk about here chiefs 13 to 12 victory over Los Angeles, a completely, completely pointless game, like utterly devoid of meaning uh, because the Chiefs could not improve their seed. Yeah, Uh, The Chargers, uh, leading rusher, Easton Stick. Um, Donald Parham, the leading receiver. Hey, Easton Stick has 77 rushing yards, folks. You got to hand it to him. Austin Eckler, 17 touches for 49 yards. He has that going for him. Yeah, I mean, Eckler is going to be somewhere else next year, probably in a committee. And uh, I, I do think that his receiving 
Uh, his lack of receiving production and efficiency is a major red flag. You, you you can make all the excuses you want about the rushing, the offensive line, whatever, game script, but the receiving is a major issue for Eckler. Again, he was deeply inefficient here. Man, that's just – so, yeah, he's a player to watch. With the, there's so many players to watch with the Chargers. Yeah. Oh, there, there was one. Listen, Gerald Everett went out with a knee injury in this game, whatever. I'm sure it wasn't. It didn't appear to be like uh, a serious injury, but he's going to be, be a free agent. Uh, uh, Everett is is efficient. He is among the league leaders among tight ends in yards after the catch um, every year, including this year. Uh, I'm I'm looking. I'm paying attention to where Gerald Everett goes. If he can get a full time role as a route runner in a decent offense, I think he could be fun. The only bad news for Everett, he's turning 30 this summer, but he, he is just on that classic tight end career trajectory where he just gets a little more interesting each passing year. He did have yeah. a better year last year. Um, I agree with Everett that he, 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 he'll be someone we got to continue to take stock of, even though you might not want to, because the other thing Joe ever does is make catastrophic mistakes constantly. Yeah. I mean, but uh, you, you, you take the good with the bad with, with our, with our guy, Gerald. You do. And the rest of the charges, Herbert, we have no idea. Keenan Allen could finally be done with LA. Quentin Johnson, we have no clue. Mike Williams, we have no clue with the health. We have no clue who the coach will be. We have no clue who the, the GM will be. Uh, supposedly, it could be Bill Belichick. We'll talk a lot more about the Chargers this offseason. The Chiefs, we're going to talk, a lot, talk about a lot this week. They are locked into the AFC's number three seed. I cannot remember. I should remember off the top of my head exactly who they are playing. I don't believe the sixth seed is quite guaranteed yet. In the, It is not. Um, right. It could right. be any number of teams, but the Chiefs will be hosting a playoff game at Arrowhead Stadium. Who do you think is an X factor for what has been one of the hardest to watch offenses in the entire NFL in the second half of the season? I mean, it's got to be Rasheed Rice because he is the only game in town outside of Travis Kelsey and Kelsey is not getting it done the way that we're used to seeing him get it done. Uh, career low in yards per reception this year, career low in receiving success rates. Um, you know, uh, you just go down the line, it's career low, career low, career low. Um, he apparently is, uh, I was reading, he's, he's missed several uh, critical blocks. Um, you know, he's had some, uh, you know, un- unfortunate drops recently. So I don't really know what's going on with Travis Kelsey. Uh, too many commercials. That's what I say. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, he got a life. It's a big problem. Yeah. Um, real big <laughs> problem. Apparently it is. Uh, but yeah, so so Rasheed Rice has to step up. the The offense has to run through Kelsey and Rice if they're going to do anything. You know, I I don't know. I guess I guess the Chiefs can turn it on and they the can. Here's the deal. I keep telling I, everyone this, so I, I don't know why I just cut you off, but I'm cutting no, go you ahead. off. Uh, the, the Chiefs they're either playing the Dolphins or the Bills, and I was texting my Dolphins friend today, my best friend actually, who's saying he'd prefer to play the Chiefs than the Bills yet again. It's like, man, I don't. As the Chiefs to me are just the like textbook definition of a team you don't want to play in the playoffs, even as poorly as they've been playing. They, they have the two things that like flip playoff games. I feel like where they have an elite defense and they have an instant offense quarterback, and we have not really seen it, of course, over the past two months. But like Patrick Mahomes, we know even with this supporting cast, a forty-yard touchdown is possible in any given play. Right. We know, like we know that they're not this bad. Like this is essentially the same supporting cast that won the Super Bowl last year, and I feel like there's some positive regression in the form of not dropping sixty-five-yard touchdowns has to be coming for the Chiefs. Right. 
I just feel like they, they are like the classic do not want to play them in the playoffs. Yeah, well, maybe not. I mean, they're, they're battle tested and all that. You know, they've been through through the fire and and, uh, you know, they are. I hear that they're the defending Super Bowl champions, actually, um, which I think some, I sometimes forget. Um, I mean, I do want to mention a stats since since I'm a stat based guy uh, since week 11. They're 16th in EPA per play on par with the Colts and the Bears. I just be honest, I would have expected that to be worse. Really? Uh, I think it's pretty bleak to me. I don't know. Uh, It's fairly bleak. I just I think that this is a this is not clearly not the same kind of team. But yeah, I mean, you're right. You're right. Look, look, a a little less, uh, a little, uh, you know, fewer drops, fewer horrific game crushing drops and mistakes game altering mistakes and, and 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 we're not talking about this at all we're talking about the the, the chiefs as the number two seed or maybe the number one seed so what, what i said you know they're due for some positive regression in the big play department what i'm really saying is they're due the chiefs are just due they're due to and, and, and watch out for Kadarius in the playoffs that's all oh, yeah, she, yeah. It, <laughs> it is possible that they just do not have the juice this year with the x factor maybe being travis kelsey's lack of juice that you hinted at where we st- this was a different version of Travis Kelsey even last year than what we're seeing right it now. It was. And, and so I, I think that the whole offense hinging on his ability to make plays while Mahomes is scrambling, I mean, that was always a little bit fragile, right? Because, you know, the the, the drop back and, and pass, you know, type offense that, that we're used to seeing from good teams, that doesn't exist with the Chiefs. Like, it, it, it you know, it's drop back, it's scramble, it's it's make an incredible play. It's by time, by time, by time, by time, and then a shovel pass. You know, like that—that's the Chiefs' offense. Or it's by time, and then you do hit MVS forty yards down the field, and he just knocks and he, it out. Right, and he drops it. Right, exactly. So the Chiefs are going to be one of the confound. They're they're going to be one of the hinge point teams in the playoffs. There's going to be all sorts of money going in on both sides. The Chiefs betting against the Chiefs, betting on the Chiefs. They're just one of the wildest wild cards of wild card weekend. Coming up next weekend. uh... The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Neither of these teams going to the wild card round, the New England Patriots, the New York Jets, the Jets probably ended the Bill Belichick era with a 17 to three victory in Gillette Stadium. If you're listening to this podcast, you might already know Bill Belichick's fate. Uh, so forgive us for not officially knowing all signs pointing to Bill Bill being gone. Uh, you know, it's been the narrative for months. There's been zero pushback on that narrative, what's, which I think is kind of telling. And um, there's no there's been no counter takes. Oh, yeah, Bill might be back. Um. Yeah, I'm I mean, it's just it's, uh, it's bleak. Yeah, the the reporting is it is all pretty much the same, which is that Bob Kraft made this decision a couple months ago, and uh, and that and that's that. There's also this thing, and and actually, uh, Kay Adams was pointing this out. I thought it was a good point 
where Belichick is actually doing like real embraces with coaches at midfield recently. Um, <laughs> like, like a, like a bro hug, you know, with Sean McDermott and others. And that's weird. That's weird because usually, you know, he's a sore loser. So he loses and he does a quick handshake, with, not even making eye contact. No, and, never make eye contact. But, he, but he's been doing that thing, the bro hug, because it's like, I'm, I'm headed out guys i'm done hopefully i hope he's not actually retiring that would make me sad i want to see him like try to jump start this one one last time somewhere else no really i do i definitely do (laughs) yeah Uh, i don't i'm a bb dead ender i'm a bb dead ender all right Uh, we got to see bill with say justin justin a bear in la no all right come on man you, you have fun with that one i i there's rumors pete carroll could retire too i'd be very sad i want the old guard to hang around a little bit longer. Uh, the Patriots here. I mean, uh, not worth talking about these guys. Uh, Devontae Parker has guaranteed money. He's over $3 million guaranteed next year for some reason. We'll see if the new brain trust wants to keep him. Mike Jacecki, maybe the most pointless one-year deal in the history of the NFL. Uh, under 30 receptions this year. Pop Douglas led the team in receiving with 561. Oh, years. my goodness. Zeke Elliott had the most catches. Like, this, this, this needs to be started over from the ground up. The Jets, you know, there's a little more positivity, but the Jets' number two pass catcher was Tyler Conklin all year. He was easily number two in yards. I mean, Garrett Wilson, the first receiver in Jets history to go over 1,000 yards each, each of his first two seasons, but there's so little depth there. I mean, the Aaron Rodgers signings did not work out. Randall Cobb, yeah. of course, did nothing. Al Lazard did absolutely nothing. There's no tight end. I mean, Tyler Conklin's fine. He shouldn't be – your. He probably shouldn't be your primary pass catching tight end. He definitely should not be your number two pass catching weapon. Uh, Brees Hall, though, 39 touches Sunday. It was tied for the most by any player in a game all season. Career high, 178 yards rushing, 190 yards from scrimmage. You you were saying before we got on there, you think he might go one one next year? I, I don't know about that. I mean, like he has a he has the CMC profile right now, um, and he's he's way younger. And, you know, with a with a better quarterback under center, uh, hopefully next year, I think that there will be an argument for Brees Young as the 101. I think that both uh, if Rodgers is back fully healthy, Brees and Garrett Wilson will be first round picks. Oh, man. Wow. Oh, man. He's 40 years old coming off a torn Achilles. He wasn't even last year. I know. I'm not saying that it's great process or that (laughs) you're not going to live to regret it, but I'm just saying that that if you're good, if you want Brees and you want Garrett, you're going to have to spend a first rounder on him. It is interesting. There's going to be a total reset at the top of the board. We don't even entirely know like what team Justin Jefferson is going to be on, but, CMC will still be there, but Austin Eckler, those days are gone. Yes. Uh, yeah. Tony Pollard, we're not doing that one again. I know. Uh, Jamar Chase, <laughs> there's no way he's falling out of the first round. I wonder if he'll fall out like, of the top eight, though. Probably not. Especially probably, if Higgins is gone. Probably not. I mean, you could you could maybe Tyreek, maybe C.D. Lamb. Yeah, never mind. It's actually pretty much the same, except for Austin Eckler. <laughs> Uh, so he, was, yeah, I guess you're right. This <laughs> year but, change, but, yeah, but I mean, yeah, but look, Brees Hall. I, I, I really, I, I do think that with that sort of receiving profile, now who knows? Like Aaron Rodgers might force the Jets to sign some washed running back to come in and and to, and and chip off of Brees's <laughs> workload. But I do think that Brees Hall is good enough to sort of brush that guy off the way he did with Dalvin Cook, who was a Rodgers yes. signing. That's true. So Brees Hall. Zero debate. He's going in the first round. Uh, you can debate if he's going a one-one. He probably won't go a one-one. 
Um, but the Patrick Cranes of the world, the Ninny Carters of the world, you guys could start a movement. Crane, Crane is the uh, Crane's going to get it done, folks. He's going to he's, he's uh, going to turn the tide. Bathing in cash, um, and we uh, <laughs> we will be bathing um, and more game analysis. Uh, there you go. That's uh, a good when, one. And Kyle Dvorak comes up next after Denny Carter. Mr. Denny, thank you so much. We'll talk to you in the next 24 hours. All right. Thanks. A national champion will be crowned Monday night. So to get you ready for Michigan versus Washington, Vaughn Dalzell, Brad Thomas, and Eric Froton are back with one more Q&A on our NBC Sports YouTube page. Join the guys at 1 p.m. Eastern on Monday as they break down player props, live betting strategies, and much more. And now, as we talked about the national championship game, we talk about the real national championship games. Titans beating the Jags, the Raiders beating the Broncos, the Bengals beating the Browns with Mr. Kyle Dvorak, who had the pleasure of covering the first two games in Titans-Jags. Oh, boy. Seemed like a lot of career or life choices being questioned by Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, Just, I don't even know. Were they as uninspired on screen as they were on page? Because, man, what an opportunity they like get away, not just this week, but really the whole past month. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is like any one individual game the Jags have played over the past, I think they're, they're what one and five in their past six games. Any one of those individual games probably themselves aren't that terrible. Like good teams have bad games. Bad teams have plenty of bad games. It's the fact that they strung them all together at yes. the worst possible time and ended with, I guess, the Titans. I don't know if you call it their starting or their backup quarterback. Since <laughs> what do you, I know. What do you call Ryan Tannehill? A quarterback they didn't want to start. I don't know <laughs> if you should if he deserves to be called the starter, because that's how it was in week one. They were playing quarterback. Their opponents did not want to start. Their opponent's defense was banged up all year. Offense really has like three players of note and a horrific offensive line. And they came away with 20 points, gave up a ton to this team, and, you know, and it obviously knocked them out of the, the playoff race. This one stings the most, but I think as you pointed out, it's the fact that in totality, they had this game or some version of this game happen five times in the past seven or eight weeks. So they were eight and three. So you're right. They finished the season one and five. Yeah. Almost inconceivable. Yeah. And I mean, this is not, you know, CJ Stroud deserves credit. What the Colts did with what for sure for them as a backup quarterback deserves a lot of credit. But this is still the AFC South. It's not a at a division where you you look at it and you say, I get how they just kept losing games. They had a murderer's row at the end of the season. No, they didn't. They ended with the Titans. I like it's it's the fact that all of it happened back to back, nearly back to back to back to back outside. And the only win wasn't their only win the Panthers game before it was, this. They shut out victory As, over the Panthers. So of course, even a team struggling this bad, of course they shut out the Panthers. But yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> As if that one, like, of course, of course we give them a win. That one's a pass. Other <laughs> than CJ that, though, any any game they played against FBS competition, we don't count FCS games for them. Any game they played against FBS competition losses in their past five, you know. Well, they that. lost a few FCS games too because they lost to Jake Browning and Joe Flacco. And no, <laughs> no offense to Jolt and Joe, uh, who was lighting it up down the stretch, but yeah. those weren't exactly um, amazing losses either. Those, that was in early in the Joe Flacco days, if I remember correctly. It too. was. That was. It wasn't most recently. So yeah, this game. I mean, it, like I said, it wasn't terrible trevor lawrence had some good throws he had a really good 59 yarder to calvin ridley but he had some really bad ones he the final play of the game or final play on offense of the game for the jags he had calvin ridley get open just as he decided to throw it to evan ingram but evan ingram probably has i mean definitely has a first down there and trevor just sails i mean not close he throws it into the stands which would have been easy first down 
Or if he lets play develop slightly longer or just reads it a little bit better, he sees Calvin Ridley getting open down the seam. I'm not sure there's a safety in sight. I think he goes for a touchdown. Uh, they had a really bad goal line play, which Trevor Lawrence dealing with a shoulder injury. I think he also had like a finger injury. And then he had the ankle injury previously. He like was, he's, as you pointed out, he's been Monty Pythoning it for a while. 100%. So on the goal line, what do they do? It's a long one. This is two and a half one yards. They Trevor Lawrence sneak where he dives over and tries to sneak it in where I think didn't uh, I think Drew Brees used to do that a lot where he would just he punch the ball over real quick and as soon as it breaks the barrier it's a touchdown. Trevor Lawrence needed three feet arms to get that over and he well, got stuffed. <laughs> did you hear the story on that one? That was apparently a Trevor Lawrence audible. Like he did Trevor. that himself. <laughs> I know, I know. And see the Jags too. Well, if we're thinking about an off-season Jags X factor. They ended one and five. They're pretty much running it back with the same supporting cast next year. Cal Ridley's in place, I believe, correct? No, he is, uh, he's a free agent. Oh, wow. Uh, good thing I said I believe. Because, you know, I believe you know, signals that you're pretty sure <laughs> then it, that you could be wrong, and I was wrong. But we know Christian Kirk and Evan Ingram are locked in. Travis so Etienne still has a year to go. Yes, year I believe Zay Jones has another year on his contract. They could get out if they want to. Uh, he was so hurt this year, though, that I don't want to say like this down year is a reason for them to get out. Uh, and yeah, they, they could bring Ridley back. Man, one of the many storylines will be the usage of Calvin Ridley, which was so like, I get it. He is a specific player with a specific build. He's he's probably better used on the outside as a boundary receiver to never scheme him a single layup in games, months man, on end. Man. Seems like a, a befuddling decision. And they were so focused on getting other players the ball in the middle of the field. Evan Ingram, I believe was two catches away from setting the receiver, the re receptions record for a tight end Two, he was, he had got 10 Gen today. Genuinely unreal. Genuinely. Unreal. I was shocked to find that out. I know he had a bunch of catches. Like I, I understand that to come so close to get the uh, receptions record and to not even come within like 500 yards. It's probably more like 400 yards of the yardage record obviously tells you about like, I don't want to say he was inefficient, Earning the ball a lot, especially as a pass catcher, is, is a strong, it's like an efficiency measure in its own right, because every one of those plays is slowly helping to move the chains. It's not like he's averaging three yards a catch, but they're not the most valuable targets. So for yeah. him to nearly set the record for receptions, I know Christian Kirk was out, which helped him close out the season with some strong performances. But it is crazy that you look at this roster and you think like, they're pretty good. I still think they need another weapon, yet they're paying Christian Kirk a ton of money. They will need to pay Ridley a ton of money to bring him back. They're paying Evan Ingram good money. Zay Jones as a receiver three makes good money. And I'm still not sure this is the entire core, but to me, that almost just becomes an indictment of Trevor Lawrence, where he's good. I, I still watch him play and think, like, he makes good plays. He doesn't always make backbreaking mistakes. He, he still makes his fair share of mistakes. But to think that he can't get this team over the hump, that is that's a bit concerning. It feels like an indictment of him. It was really disappointing. The ball knowers are saying, like, anyone who questions Trevor Lawrence, they're going to live to rue the day. All the film <laughs> guys are still very high on Trevor Lawrence. The main thing with Trevor Lawrence, I just feel like his arm, it's not weak, but it's not as strong as it needs to be, probably. It's its not, like, a huge liability. I think that's what's preventing him from, like, superstardom. I don't think the arm is just quite that strong. But turnover propensity, of course, is not great either. But Cal Calvin Ridley will be really interesting, yeah, because I have – that bidding is going to get out of control pretty quickly. And if you've got that many dollars committed to Christian Kirk, it could be pretty – they could franchise tag him, though. Um, mm -hmm. Calvin Ridley's kind of a perfect franchise guy. With his checkered <laughs> career history, he might only want a one-year commitment. So we don't entirely know the Jags sporting – real quick on Evan Ingram, 
Uh, pretty rare that you see a 29-year-old set a new career high for receptions by 41, which yeah. is what oh, man, that's, that's a lot. Year. He also set a career high in yards as well. That one was much closer, which is hence the efficiency that I said wasn't great. So when most people, except for a very key addition, key uh, exception of uh, Calvin Ridley are coming back for the Jaguars, a lot of people are not coming back for the Tennessee Titans. That includes Derrick Henry, who literally said goodbye to the fans on the field. So uh, I think we can rule out Derrick Henry re-signing with the Titans. They gave him a microphone to tell the fans he's not coming back. Yeah, that was wild because I, you know, really wild <laughs> for these for these blurbs. Like, you know, obviously I, I blurbed this game. We can write a lot of what uh, we want to write about them while the game's going on or the day before the game, because most of it's about how did this player season go to, to, to Kyle's only in week 18. Do we do that? In yeah, only 18, in week 18. week 18. Like, obviously, I don't care how the season went in week three. The season's not over. Yeah. But in week 18. I want to know more so like, sure, I'll throw a note in about like, oh, Henry ended his, you know, season with a, a strong performance, but I, I want to know how the season went if I'm a reader. So that's what we write is here's the, uh, the capsule of the season. And I had written in there somewhere, obviously, like Henry's a free agent. We'll see if the team wants to resign him. <laughs> and then as soon as the game's over, they gave him a microphone and he said he was very sweet about it. He said he wanted to thank the fans for being the best fans possible for i think eight years he said he's been in tennessee he did say eight years so, so time flies but when you say thanks for a great eight years the implication is obviously that that's it so like you said i just don't get how you can say something like that and have any realistic expectation of returning the team is is completely turning over the roster to, to say, say everyone else who's not who's probably not coming back also Ryan Tannehill is going to be the big one. Uh, obviously, they previously got rid of A.J. Brown, and then uh, now they're having maybe Mike Vrabel, not a player, but Mike Vrabel. I, I'm DeAndre sure. Hopkins, free agent to be as well. Or No, is he no D-Hop signed a two-year, yeah, very right. uh, a $26 million, two-year. They could get out of his contract, but I, I wrote in his pregame, or pregame, I wrote in his postgame rap that uh, you can't have a roster like this without DeAndre Hopkins and give Will Levis or someone else if they choose to move in another direction even a semblance of a fair evaluation. Traylon Burks was blanked in this game. Uh, like Kyle Phillips was the de facto wide receiver too, or maybe it was Chris Moore. doesn't really matter. Y you couldn't evaluate a single player, hardly even quarterback. You probably couldn't evaluate linemen or running backs with zero threats at receiver. So even though they are getting, clearly making an effort to get younger, I'd be shocked if they let D-Hop go because you need him to understand what you have in Will Levis. But yeah, Ryan Tannehill, also a free agent. Didn't give him the microphone as far as I could see, but I think he's also gone. He's a free went, agent and he's not coming back. So I went gone. 0 for 2 on remembering really key free agent status for receivers. You didn't have this game. <laughs> I know I should have remembered on especially Calvin Ridley. Well, but they traded uh, Kevin Byard right in the middle of the season. We will right. say too, I mean, Derek Henry maybe is honestly just like a just-in-case Maybe they're not closing the sure. door if the price is right. Because I felt a little odd. They were so certain, like one of the best players in franchise history is moving on. But uh certainly seems to be that way. So much of it is just like they may be facing a regime change because we got a report that Mike Vrabel is going to meet with the team, as all players do, or as all coaches do, obviously meet with their ownership and management. But it was specifically to discuss if he has a future there. I think he has a future for one more year. That seems very obvious. These past years have been disappointing, but quarterback injuries and poor quarterback play, which are only partially in his control have sort of beleaguered those two seasons before that. I think he's been with the team four years before that. 
every single one of them a winning record, if I remember correctly. And I don't think anyone's really questioning his acumen as a coach. Not only that, but even in NFL Net Network's Ian Rapport's report on the situation, uh, he said Mike Vrabel was not questioning management. So I generally just think Vrabel is just pissed off. He, of course yeah, he's pissed yeah, off. Yeah, he yeah, literally yeah. is pissed off in, in interviews. He's actively like raging. Understandably. It's a hard season for the team and they lost a bunch of games. I don't actually think there's a rift between him and management though. So I do think he comes back, but I do think both management and he know that the team has to get younger. They're just aging to a point where they're not replacing talent anywhere. Even if they're trying, they've had misses like Traylon Burks and jury still out on Will Levis. So next year might not even be the year, I guess is the bigger problem. Yeah, I mean, Mike Rabel, I think they would be insane to send him packing. He's basically the poor man's Mike Tomlin. Where this is the kind of game. So I'm in a I'm in a weekly confidence points pick 'em where you have to sign each game one to sixteen. And the Titans, no matter what, like no matter who they're starting <laughs> like quarterback, where they are, it's like every week, like, man, can I really put 10 points on the Jaguars? Like I know they're probably gonna win this game, but this would be just like the Titans to win this game, and then they do. I know we, we talked about this is like such an obvious <laughs> this would be a very Titans win, and of course they did. I will say though, uh Ohio State. Could come calling for Mike Bravel. Oh my gosh. Oh, come on. But, but we, we, never full, we never fully broke down the Cotton Bowl, by the way. I didn't watch it, so of course I wouldn't break it down. And we are now down extremely bad at Mizzou, where we made our defensive coordinator one of the top five highest paid assistants in the country two weeks ago. And then LSU made him the highest paid two days ago. Oh. And we're, we're, <laughs> we're still getting used to the big time. You know, we are reeling. Who else is reeling is the uh, no one really the Bengals and the Browns 31 to 14 Bengals closed the season surprisingly strong without Joe Burrow. They did only go four and three. That was way better than anyone else was expecting when Joe Burrow went down for the year with the season ending wrist injury. The Browns, of course, this was an exhibition for them. They did give a few touches to Jerome Ford and Kareem Hunt for some reason, but they were on to the playoffs. So hard to have any concrete takeaways from this game. Uh, Tyler Boyd, a free agent to be T Higgins, a free agent to be. Irv Smith, a free agent washout this year. Joe Mixon has become a per per perpetual question mark for the Bengals. Will he be back? Will he be not? He is under contract for 2024. But is that reworked deal from last summer? One, they probably have an eye on maybe reworking again. And so the, the, the Bengals are a team with a lot of star power, with a lot of question marks for 2024. Like what will the supporting cast be? And can Joe Burrow stay healthy to take advantage of the supporting cast? Do you, what do you think on T. Higgins? Do you think they'll slap the franchise tag on him? He might be a classic franchise tag guy. Let's get one more year out of T. Higgins. Or do you think he'll be moving on um, to greener pastures and greener, in this case, being a long free agent contract with a lot of guaranteed money? Yeah, I could see them putting the franchise tag on him for at least, I mean, probably for only one year. I think it scales, what does it scale, like 20% or something it's, like that? It scales prohibitively. So it'd be... The only position it's usually worth doing with is quarterback, where it's so important. Who cares? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He can scale to any do... number. If he's a quarterback, yeah, yeah, he's yeah, a quarterback yeah. type of thing. I do think they keep him. I mean, they had the opportunity to trade him. I'm sure teams came knocking, and they were like, nope, we want him for this year. And they were very adamant about that. I, I think that at least connotes an effort to keep him around. And it's not that much of an effort to put the franchise tag on him outside of the one-year commitment. So I do think he's probably more likely than not to stay, whether it's on the franchise tag or a long-term deal. Uh, I don't need to specify. I'm just going to call that he stays. And Tyler Boyd, he's he's either 29 or going to turn. He either just turned 29 or is going to turn 30 like this summer or something. He he feel like he's someone where every time I pull up his over the cap, I'd be like, man, Tyler Boyd's under contract for four more years, but his contract is finally up. 
he seems much more likely to be gone. And I do think – I don't think they're going to let both guys leave. And if you're thinking who's easier to replace, uh, this elite number two boundary guy in T. Higgins or the, the aging slot guy, pretty sure the aging slot guy is going to be the loser in that debate. Um, which, no, no like criticism of, of Tyler Boyd there, but he just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time with Jamar Chase and T. Higgins coming along. Yeah, he, he's an aging player with a skill set that's more replaceable than like outside. A player like T. Higgins, we say he'd be a number one on a lot of other teams. It's just not something we say about Tyler Boyd. Not that he can't be a productive player, but like the type of numbers he's putting up, that can be replaced, you know, with a mid-round pick or with a cheaper veteran on the open market. So I do agree that he obviously makes sense for the team to part ways with at the end of the season. Real quick on the Browns, who do we think is the? I mean, I, we know who the playoff X factor is for the Browns. It's Joe Flacco. Joseph. Can he, can he pass Joseph Vincent Flacco, Jolton Joe, as I have christened him? Uh, Denny Carter pointed out the other day that Joe has had a lot of turnover-worthy plays the past month. As we know, this can oh, be yeah. a subjective measure. Geno Smith informs that it's not a real stat. Uh, Joe is really passing the eye test, but the eye test has also noted a fair amount of dropped interceptions. Do, do, do you think that's heartbreak waiting to happen with Joe Flacco in the playoffs? Because it's the best he's looked since that Super Bowl run. I don't think that's even up for yeah. debate. Now they're playing the Houston Texans. Uh, do, you, do you think do you think they can win a playoff game with Mr. Joe Flacco? Oh, I mean, they can definitely win a playoff game. Do I think they can win – they need four to win a Super Bowl, right? Do I think they can even win three to get there? Seems unlikely, right? It seems like at some point the house of cards has to fall, but they do have a really strong backstop of any time Joe Flacco turns the ball over, the yes. opposing team runs into the wood chipper of this defense. I mean, it's the best defense this year. One of the better defenses of the past five or 10 years is elite at nearly every position and deep at a lot of positions too. They're banged up right now. They've slowly bled injuries but the top name talent namely miles garrett still there so i do think they can even survive like i said they can even survive the bad joe flacco game but it, it can't be a complete implosion which is certainly on the table but yeah they could beat the texans for sure and they, they got a de facto by this week and the, with the way the afc is constituted this year the browns i wouldn't give a zero percent chance of like advancing through this tournament uh the afc even with the, the ravens kind of looking death starish over the past month. I mean, would anyone be surprised? It was a bad weather playoff game. There's like two early Ravens turnovers. Like mm -hmm. the, the Browns do have a path to the Super Bowl. Joe Flacco, though, the other shoe is going to drop at some point, or maybe it won't drop. Maybe they'll change their approach and they won't be passing 45 times a game. But it just kind of seems like they have to do that because of how underwhelming the personnel is in the backfield. Um, but they, they've been living right with Joe Flacco, basically. And that, that's, nev that's never the most sustainable formula. That's going to be interesting to see. I do think they're going to beat the Texans. As much as I, as I hate to say that, I do think they're going to dispatch the Texans Yes, in the wild card. I think we are dispatching Kyle Dvorak. Uh, I have thank one you so much. Uh, oh, do we really? We probably went long on my first game because the Jaguars are a pretty funny topic. <laughs> Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.
Raiders twenty seven. Broncos we can 14. be we can be short on this one because be short. Both- Zamir, talk about Zamir White. Let's talk about Zamir White. Zamir White's good. He he's I don't think he'll be a twenty plus carry three down type of back going going forward as in into next year. Could very much see the team. I don't think they're bringing Josh Jacobs back. I could very much see the team adding more talent via the draft. I mean, it's almost certain that they do. It's whether they add a second round pick or a fifth round pick. White's played well enough in these final four games. I think just shy of 400 yards in his final four games. Uh, He's played well enough to at least earn the start in week one. Can he hold off another guy? Especially he's not much of a pass catcher. I do think that if there is an opening, that is the opening as a guy comes in and he's a strong third down option. And if he's playing well enough on his limited early down reps, maybe that pushes White, who doesn't have a ton of investment from, well, he doesn't have any investment from what will be the next GM, but even ignoring that, just wasn't a highly drafted pick. But man, he deserves to get a shot at least. You know, Maybe it doesn't last the full season, but he has played well at the end of this year. He just runs hard, gains yards after contact. And this is stuff that Josh Jacobs wasn't doing in this situation yeah, yeah. this year. And Jacobs did do it last year. Jacobs just wasn't that same guy this year. He wasn't the same guy after the holdout, we do hate to say, but it wasn't the same guy after the holdout. And Jameer White, the past four games, uh, his four-game stretch over the past month, way better than any Josh Jacobs four-game stretch this season. So I do think that decision has been made for the Raiders and Josh Jacobs, even though he's been a really important member of the franchise for over half a decade now, is probably going to be sent packing He's season. only 25, which shocked me. He, he must came in the league at like uh, wow. late 20 year old slash early 21 year old. So he's got a lot of touches and, and was he's up played through a lot of injuries. He, has, uh, he could be one of those guys who ages poorly because he, he's played. Not only has he gotten hurt, but he's played through them. Mm-hmm. He's a very, very tough player. And that doesn't always aid you at running back. Sometimes you'd be well served to take more time off to heal. Uh, so Josh Jacobs being an interesting offseason. Jerry Judy. Um, uh, he probably has a year left on his deal, doesn't he? I we mean, talked about this on the yeah, show. They picked up no. his fifth-year option, which is yeah. uh, not cheap. Not cheap. No. Gosh, yeah. Yikes. I don't know, man. Trade him. <laughs> trade him. Just trade him. <laughs> to be clear, Pat, you didn't. I guess this is the one dynasty league where you traded like a fourth-round pick for him. And it was a third-rounder. It was a third-rounder. And people were, were wondering why. Nick, they thought Nick Menzio sold a little low. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh I was going to say, you sound upset enough uh, as if you were the one paying Jerry Judy. You're like, oh, my God. I know. I know. I instantly regretted my buy love flyer on Jerry Judy. But we'll see. We're not going to talk about the Broncos. We'll talk about them so- this offseason. Uh, now, for real, I'm dispatching Kyle Dvorak. I'm having a great, great hit tonight, forgetting literally everything um, with Mr. Kyle Dvorak. But I didn't forget that he's done amazing work for us all season and will continue to do amazing work for us in the playoffs. And then get a well-deserved vacation, Kyle. Um, thank you so much for stopping by. We'll talk to you later this week. See you. We're now joined by Mr. Eric Samalski, who's taking some time out from his Bill's death tilt to talk about the Saints dismantling the Falcons 48-17, to but still missing the playoffs. And the Rams and 49ers playing like a really weird like, exhibition-style game where the Rams emerged 21-20. to uh, But we'll end the season, Eric, where we began the season and that is, of course, talking about Bajan Robinson, the only player who mattered all year in fantasy for one reason or another. And uh, you know, very, very, very fantasy football. They had one of his biggest games after we were done playing fantasy football. Yeah. And give us the state of the Bajan Robinson union heading into the offseason. Sure. You know, we talked about it on the slack. I think he needed 52 yards, I believe, on the ground to get a thousand yards rushing. Um, 
and he had 11 carries for 28 yards. Say Art uh, Smith ain't reading all that. Did not. Mm-hmm. They were 11 carries split between Tyler Algier and Cordero Patterson. Um, but yeah, we also had Bijan Robinson's first career 100-yard receiving game. Um, granted, 71 of those came on a five-yard pass that he just <laughs> took to the house. Um but he did he did see eight targets, seven catches, 103 yards. Um, so, you know, even though the rest of the statistical output wasn't great beyond the 71 yard uh, catch and run, he was super active in, in the receiving game, which is something that, you know, we haven't we hadn't really seen in a way that that benefits his skill set. Like he's had a couple games. He had two other games this year where he went over 50 yards receiving. Um one of those games was another game where he had seven catches. But this is a guy who can do everything skills-wise out of the backfield, wasn't given the opportunity to do it, ended the year averaging 4.56 yards per carry, but will end with just 976 rushing yards on the year. Um, and listen, we just, you know, fingers crossed that Arthur Smith is undone by the end of this season. So um, there's a good chance those listening to this podcast will already know the fate yes. of Olart. I mean, they lost four of their last five. Um, you know, the the you know we're reading the tea leaves. It seems like the omens are not good for for Arthur Smith. And I've seen and, better omens. And Bajan Robinson should come into next year as a potential top five RB if he's in a system that we feel like is actually going to feature him, because there are few people with the skill set um, and the the fresh legs to legitimately be a bell cow running back like that. You'd have to think one of the first adjustments any new coach will make. We'll just—it's it, weird. It the 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 Falcons let Tyler Algier being good be the enemy of Bajan Robinson being great because t- Tyler Algier is legitimately good, but that doesn't mean he should be taking work from a player who really did nothing to dissuade me from the idea that he's legitimately great. Bajan right. just seemed like someone who just just needed slightly more work and would have gone totally nuclear. And so we'll see what happens with the hopefully the next coaching staff. I do think it's gonna be a new coaching staff. I, if, I would assume so. I would assume if not at the very least, it's gonna be a new quarterback. We would be remiss to not mention Kyle Pitts. So maybe he was never yeah. fully healthy all year. That was kind of one of the, the undercurrents of a season. Maybe he was never over truly Tony Pollard style, truly over the serious injury he had last season. Uh, but I mean, he played all year. Uh he was out there and he didn't really produce. And well, we know here, we know a lot of circumstances beyond his control. I'll let you take the floor. Yeah, I was gonna say, but here's the thing: like he didn't really produce. Sure, like, like yes, he had 300 more receiving yards and one more touchdown this year than he did last year. But he played seven more games, so you know that obviously is not. You'd like to you'd like to see more. However, he also was second on the team in receiving yards. Um, he was second on the team in receptions. So yeah, 51 catches for 640 yards and three touchdowns is not something that you get excited about. Those three touchdowns tied for the team lead in receiving touchdown. So to me, it's like, yeah, it's not exciting, but it's good relative to the offense, which tells you that I really do believe the bigger problem is the offense and less the player himself. And Look, John Smith came in and had legitimate career highs in targets, receptions, yards. Like, nobody anticipated that happening. I don't believe that 
you know, even as good as Janu was this year, I don't believe that there's a new coach who doesn't have the ties to Janu Smith that Arthur Smith did, that you're going to see a legitimate split like this, no. where Kyle Pitts only had 20 more targets and four more catches than Janu Smith on the year. Like, that's a pretty narrow window there. Or, yeah, it, you know, narrow gap, sorry. And the very good news, as you mentioned, he was he wasn't as productive as his reputation that preceded him coming in the league as you know, a number four overall pick. He was productive. He's still only 23. He turns 24 right. in October. And thank God he's healthy. He can have a full offseason. He can focus us on training instead of rehabbing. Mm-hmm. Uh, famous last words. There's <laughs> almost no way. No, th- th- you didn't even hear the famous last words. Famous last <laughs> words. There's almost no way the Falcons quarterback situation can get worse. Uh, we know we've thought that before with other teams. Or coaching situation. Can exactly. Get true. Yeah. Very, very true. Listen, we, they're going to – let's bring back Jason Garrett to coach the Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> Mike Malarkey back to coach the Falcons. So famous last words and all that. Uh, this should have been rock bottom for Kyle Pitts. And if rock bottom is 667 yards, uh, we'll take it. The man mm-hmm. is 23 years old. I, I, know, I, I know a lot of listeners are probably understandably tired – of hearing the fantasy industrial complex be like, just you wait on Kyle Pitts, but you got to keep waiting. Uh, we swear you got to keep waiting. The Saints put up 48 points in this game. They're another team at a crossroads. It's a different kind of crossroads. Bloated cap, aging roster, some interesting young players, though. Mm-hmm. Hard to know. We don't know for sure if Dennis Allen's going to be the coach next year. We don't know for sure what the supporting cast is going to be. There'll be a lot of returning guys. Um, Chris Olave, of course, will be returning. For sure. uh, Rashid Shahid should be returning. A.T. Perry will be returning. Who uh, might so they, not be is uh, Jameis Winston. Yeah. After his 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 audible <laughs> on the fake snap to give a touchdown to Jamal Williams on the last yeah. play of the game, which he just owned in the interview. He was like, yeah, we made a team decision. He did say that. He did. That is the kind of thing, as we were talking about before, that, that can get you removed from a roster. For uh, sure. I, For not sure. to take people too far afield. I'm a St. Louis Cardinals fan. And ra- when Randy Rosarena filmed Mike Schilt's uh, post-game speech in the 2019 NLDS. He was immediately traded, and that didn't work out for us. And that worked out great for the Cardinals. (laughs) Exactly, but uh, Jameis Winston may have punched it together. Is there any any saint in particular you want to talk about heading into 2020? Uh, We we know this all hinges on Derek Carr. We know it hinges Um, on Derek Carr. Yeah, and listen, Derek Carr had a pretty good season, like completed 68.4% of his passes for 3,878 passing yards, 25 touchdowns and eight interceptions. You'd like to see more touchdowns, you know, when you're throwing the ball like that, but good completion percentage didn't throw a lot of picks. Will obviously push the ball down the field. We, we know that um, sometimes holds the ball too long, but I think that he in new Orleans is still good for the fantasy outlook of Chris Olave and Rashid Shahid because he's willing to push the ball downfield and is capable of getting them the ball downfield and Olave, you know, I think, there's some, I know people hate the the positive touchdown regression terminology, but it, I mean, it does exist, you know, 84 catches on 135 targets on the year for 1,067 yards, four touchdowns um, first, you know, on the team and in, in all of that. And I just think that there's potentially more in the tank here with this offense, another year in the system together. The, the question is going to be what they do with Michael Thomas. And I should say, sorry, it was 1,123 yards and five touchdowns for Olave after, after this game. So that's, you know, a little bit better. Um, Michael Thomas, the, the thought is they're going to move on from him. If they cut him post June 1st, I believe it's still $11 and $11 million in dead cap. 
So, you know, I think a lot of Saints writers think he's done. And, you know, is it then Olave, Rashid Shahid, A.T. Perry? Like, you know, is that enough in the receiving room? We know Taysom Hill's going to be back. Um, it feels like Alvin Kamara is going to be back contract-wise. Jamal Williams is still under contract. So it feels like they're probably just going to run it back with the same offense. They basically have no choice. And well, so Derek Carr, it was a good season, but it was a Derek Carr season. And sure. like, there's never been someone like a harder ceiling. I feel like, and it's, it's not a, the world's worst ceiling, but like, this is a guy, he needs an elite defense. They had a good defense this year. It just wasn't elite. He needs a good running game and an okay running game. They're going to have to figure out ways in a really tough salary cap situation to kind of round out the roster. It's going to be a very high stakes offseason. Yeah. They're going to have to get, they're not going to have a whole lot to work with, and they're they're going to have to get like their their critical decisions right. And if they don't, they're just right back in this seven to ten to ten and seven land. Yeah, um, and they're locked in this weird running back situation with like Alvin Kamara is clearly not the guy that he was before. He's still going to be way more valuable in PPR formats than he is in other formats because he's going to catch a lot of passes. Jamal Williams is technically in the Mark Ingram role, but the Mark Ingram role didn't really exist with Red Zone Taysom Hill. So Jamal Williams in that role is not really valuable at all he had one rushing touchdown this year and it was the one it was the one that Jameis got him in the on the oh final play um Good so grief. yeah it's i honestly think like the biggest winner fantasy wise from the saints this year was probably Taysom hill because in addition to the red zone running back work share he emerged as a actual adequate receiving tight end and even though the tight end position is getting deeper if you're going to be the red zone running back and also be a receiver out in the field, that makes you at least a tight end two with the potential to be a low end tight end tight end one. And I don't know that any of us would have said that about Taysom Hill coming into this year. The only thing I'll say about Mr. Taysom Hill uh, is that he, it, however old you think he is, he's always three he's years old. He's, older. <laughs> he's turning 34 in August. And I think there were signs from Taysom. That's a, like that's a BYU thing. Yeah, and like, I think, um, there were signs this year that he's getting just to that age where he can't really take the hits mm-hmm. that he has to take in his role. He is due zero guaranteed money. Um, That's in true. The guarantees are interesting in that contract. Yes. His contract, his contract doesn't have to be redone. He's clearly more valuable to the Saints than any other team in the league. He, he will probably be back, but I wouldn't be shocked if the role is dialed back again. Mm-hmm. But the Saints are weird, and they're, they are utterly devoted to Taysom Hill. Speaking of weird, was your second game kind of like a glorified preseason game? One where the only thing either team cared about was getting Puka Nakua, some rookie receiving records. Uh, Puka, I, uh, I don't know, man. I mean that that two point conversion by Sean McVay at the end tells me that he cared about his boy Matthew Stafford getting to face the Lions in the first round of the playoffs. It's um, going to be one of many grudge matches in the postseason. But yeah, take the floor. We love him for it. We love him for it. Um, yeah, so we're, we're looking ahead with these two teams, um, in part because we don't want to talk about a game that featured 17 rushes by Carson Wentz. Uh, <laughs> doesn't oh, doesn't no. really feel like it, it's something we need to do. Dude, Carson um, Wentz, his devotion to Yolo Ball, I do have to hand it yeah. to him. He, That's, he's it was great. He, yeah. Um, I, it was fun. It was fun to watch him and, and Sam Darnold go toe to toe, um, you know, in a game that will maybe not matter for anybody after this. The the big thing for the 49ers obviously is Christian McCaffrey's health, right? Um the calf injury doesn't seem to be like something that is uh, is you know really kind of serious. He was held out 
this week because they didn't need him. Um, they clinched the bye. But we've seen many soft tissue injuries for Christian McCaffrey that linger and lead to weeks of absences. And it's something that, like, you know, I don't think that he's going to go into the playoffs with the heightened sense of, you know, the heightened injury risk. But this 49ers offense would be drastically different if he's not on the field. And so the fact that we had that little reminder, oh, right, this is a possibility is definitely the biggest issue, quote unquote, hanging over the 49ers because they've looked great. To me, they're clearly the best team in the NFC. I think that they are humming um, when, you know, when Debo and Ayuk and all those guys are, are healthy. Um, they do have some good depth behind McCaffrey with, you know, Mitchell and Jordan Mason if they need to give him a, a break here or there. Um, and their defense has, you know, the Chase Young pickup helped. It's been up and down a little bit. It hasn't been as kind of like elite as I think we're used to seeing their defense. But if they stay healthy, they're just going to be a really tough out for anybody. The Christian McCaffrey injury, minor injury, like you said, I do think is like emblematic of maybe the one larger 49ers issue where I don't think they're as brittle of a build as the Miami Dolphins. But we've talked a lot this year about the Dolphins and to a lesser extent, the 49ers kind of being injury injuries off type teams mm -hmm. where like when they're humming. They are unstoppable, but they're both very elaborate machines. And if one cog gets out of place, the whole thing kind of – as we saw, Trent Williams got hurt. The 49ers lost three games in a row. Yes. Debo Samuel was hurt at that same time. Two really yeah. big injuries for any team to be missing. But more than some of these other teams, more than even like the Bills uh, with their elite quarterback, more than the Ravens with their elite quarterback, quarterbacks who make offense on their own, not that Brock Purdy makes zero offense on his own. Uh, the 49ers, more – Spoiler alert, every team needs to stay healthy for the playoffs. But I think the 49ers are a little bit more brittle build than some of their other elite Well, because the drop-off as you go from Debo Samuel to Juwan Jennings, who's a totally solid, you know, complimentary receiver, but drastically changes the way that you're you're doing things. Um, and I would say, they're, you know, the other team that we're talking about here is also a team that is kind of built that way. I mean, we saw... When Kyron Williams missed time, this Rams yes. offense was drastically different. Drastically different. Um, you know, behind him is Ronnie Rivers and, and Royce Freeman. Um, and in addition to the Kyron Williams of it all, it's like, is Cooper Cup 100%? Probably not. Is he going to be good enough? He doesn't even need to be the wide receiver one anymore on the team, which is great because Puka Nakua has been really good. So it takes a little bit of the pressure off of Cup being the Cooper Cup that we know. But the Rams aren't making a deep playoff run if he's not contributing. They might beat, you know, a banged up Lions team, but I don't know that the Rams can just lean on Kyron Williams and Puka Nakua and get nothing out of Cup. Man, the Rams and the Lions—that one is pretty. Real quick, I, to get wonky, you wanted to very briefly talk about the Rams special teams. <laughs> I did, yeah. So <laughs> I was saying, I was saying, are we talking about real? Are we talking about real? football or are we talking about like fantasy football um the rams heading into this week had the sixth lowest special teams dvoa ever what? ever they came into this sunday's game at negative 9.8 the patriots were the 31st ranked special teams this year were negative 3.4 so the rams were almost three times as bad as the next worst special teams unit in yeah. football this year um, and people can say, oh, special, you know, special teams is overrated, whatever they made the playoffs. 
it's overrated until you're in a one score yes. playoff game and you need to advance and you possess the worst special teams in football. Man, that is a really interesting X factor to point out heading into the wild card. And yeah, I mean, playoff games are so often decided by an errant snap and very, very deci- often decided by a missed field goal. And the Rams and did make yet another kicker change a week or two ago. They so. did. And they're decided by injuries. And as we're on this podcast, I just saw that uh, Rasul Douglas uh, left the game with the Bills for the Bills with an injury. Um, we, so that's thought. Speaking of which, we we will let you get back to Thank you. again again the mega death tilt. Hey, at, least, at least it's tied now, but I mean it's the true. Dolphins are driving, so it's not going to be soon. So right. we'll need one more to a Tungavaloa fantasy points. Too long of a story to get into, but I need some two points in the second half. And we need we need I'll to give you some, I'll give you some points and a loss. There, exactly, I'll take it. I don't care. I just want All the right. points. Uh, thank you so much, Mr. Smolski. We thank will you, talk sir. to you later. We now welcome in Aditya Foldiore, who had an exciting Sunday game, a high-stakes Sunday game. The Packers outlasting the Bears 17-9. The Bears cannot score a touchdown. And what might have been Justin Fields' final start with the team? Uh, the Packers punched their playoff ticket, so they're on to the postseason. They are playing in the wildcard round the Dallas Cowboys. That's right, the Mike McCarthy Bowl yep. um, in Dallas, Texas next weekend. Uh, but we'll start with the Bears and – the storyline, of course, is Justin Fields and his future with the team, where it seems hard to believe you can move on from a guy after a season that was a step forward, but then it also seems hard to believe you can give someone like a Daniel Jones-style contract after what is still a pretty shaky resume through three years when you have the number one pick in the draft and someone like Caleb Williams or Drake May is there. So this, I kind of gave some of the Justin Fields lay of the land there. What are your thoughts on Justin Fields in this really, really unique situation the Bears find themselves in? Yeah, Justin Fields, the season-long stats, um, they aren't uh, exactly up to par with uh, other quarterbacks that you want to give long-term contracts to, like the Lamar Lamar Jacksons, Jalen Hurts, like these other running quarterbacks that have gotten these long-term contracts. But it comes down to if the Bears have the opportunity to extend him, then do they pull like a Giants, like like you mentioned, the Daniel Jones contract. Um, But the Bears, again, are in the unique spot where they have the first overall pick and they can sort of reset that rookie contract window with Justin Fields entering year four next year. They can have him up to two years with that fifth year option before they have to pay him some larger amount of money than they are. Um, he did uh, he did do a lot of improvement on his, uh, his passing abilities and a lot of his rushing has been, um, uh, has been really enhancing the Bears game, but uh, a lot of those mistakes, like taking unnecessary sacks, are still prevalent in year three. So it'll come down to whether the Bears believe in Justin Fields' development moving forward around DJ Moore, Cole Komet, and the rest of the receiving core, or if they want to uh, just hit reset and uh, draft a Caleb Williams with the first overall pick and let him have DJ Moore, Cole Komet, and maybe start with new offensive coordinator and all that going forward too. It's just such a weird situation for the Bears. It's a franchise that's tired of resetting. They're tired of resetting, especially at quarterback. Fields has special traits, but we know that you can't just go in on one or two traits with these mm-hmm. these really long-term deals. You do make the important point. They could, they could just do nothing for two more years, and he's still under contract. That would make Fields unhappy, of course, but they could maintain the status quo for two more years, but – they kind of gave Fields this already like this extra special opportunity where they didn't pass on him last year. 
Mm-hmm. It just seems hard to believe as much as they probably do not want to reset, especially after getting genuine second half of the season momentum. Yeah. They played much better defense. They have a legitimate number one receiver, Cole Komet, even emerging as a decent weapon. Like it's probably very difficult for them to entertain the idea of, man, are we really going to go back to square one? We know it's not square one because they are making other progress and they could get a very special prospect. And it's just a really weird situation for Justin Fields. But I mean, I know people are already tired talking about it, but it seems like they're probably going to move on and it's a gamble, but yeah. yeah. Either way for fantasy purposes, he's going to be starting somewhere, whether it's the bears or somewhere else. Falcons seem like a very juicy situation for us fantasy managers, but oh, yeah. either way, he's he's not just going to sit on the bench and be a backup. He'll, he'll probably be starting somewhere. Adicho, I'll put you on the spot really quick. You live in the Chicagoland area. What, what is the, what's the, the general opinion of Joe Bears fan? Do they want to keep Justin Fields or do they want to shoot for the moon at number one? Yeah, I've got a lot of friends that are Bears fans that want to want to keep Justin Fields just because of the whole aspect of he's been the guy for the city moving forward. Um, but I do know people that are more that are more like, all right, let's hit reset economically for the contract and everything. But uh, just in general for the city wise, it seems like Justin Fields has come along with winning over a lot of fans. It's true. So that's what that's what's going to make it tougher for the Bears too. Is uh, what the fans are going to look for. Yeah, he is near the top of like the star power ladder in a really, really big town in Chicago right now. Mm-hmm. It, it's such a unique situation, but I do think that they're going to move on and that it is the correct play. Even if it feels like very like coldly economical, like you said, like very like cold business decision. I think it's what they have to do. The, the Packers uh, don't have to do that. Cause it turns out Justin feel, excuse me, Jordan love is very good. And like the Pittsburgh Steelers, every time you think the Green Bay Packers might finally miss the playoffs, uh, they don't do it. They just cannot do it, except for last year. <laughs> but uh, they, they, the, the Packers are just such a good franchise. They're back in the postseason. Who do you think an X factor is going to be? I mean, you know, Jordan Love is an X factor, of course. Uh, mm-hmm. We know Aaron Jones and his health will always be an X factor. We know this really banged up receiver core will be an X factor. But when it comes to like a skill player perspective, who do you think is the X factor right now heading into a very daunting matchup with the Dallas Cowboys? I think it's Jaden Reed. He's been a guy that I really like this whole season working out of that slot role for the Packers. And the Packers offense in general has come a long way from the beginning of the season till now. And I think it's the youngest youngest offense to make the playoffs ever in the NFL, if I'm not mistaken wow. there. so Sounds right. Yeah, like Jaden Reed's a rookie. Dontavian Wicks is a rookie. Um, Romeo Dobbs is year two. There's a lot of guys that are uh, really young in that receiving core. Both Tucker Craft and Luke Musgrave are rookies. So um, with Jordan Love passing to all those guys, Jaden Reed's kind of been the guy that stepped up when Christian Watson's missed time and Christian Watson has continued to miss time. Um, It seems like Watson should be able to at least give it a go in some capacity for the wild card game against the Cowboys. But Jaden Reed's been the guy who's been used in motion. He's been working out of the slot role, getting some deep targets as well. And him plus Dontavion Wicks really helped Jordan Love uh, come a long way in this in this latter part of the season for the offense. Jaden Reed definitely feels like the right answer to me and will be one of the most exciting players to watch Wild Card Week. A, a real uphill battle for the Packers against the Cowboys, but um, I wouldn't be stunned if they sprung the up. I mean, shocker. I mean, they're all good teams at this point. Sure. Anything is possible. But 
Jaden Reed is definitely one of the wild card round X Factors. Aditya Foldiore has been one of the X Factors for Roto World all year. Uh, we've really appreciated your work on these Sundays and on this podcast. I mean, yeah, Aditya, keep your uh, ear to the ground in Chicago and keep us up to date on whatever the, the how the fans are feeling on Mr. Justin Fields. Of course. Yep. Well, we will catch you later. Thanks. We're now welcoming Lawrence Jackson, who had, I, I would like to say, one of the most surprising games of the day, the Giants beating the Eagles 27-10. to 10, But we know that this has been going around for the Eagles. A lot of surprising games over the past month. A lot of bad losses. Going into the playoffs and about the lowest ebb possible. A.J. Brown is now hurt. Joining Devontae Smith, who's been hurt. Jalen Hurts got banged up in this game. He stayed in the game. But, I mean, we know what the Eagles' problems are. Lacking explosive plays in offense, lacking any semblance of defense. But, I mean, I'm still shocked by 27-10, to 10, the Giants winning this game. I mean, what the hell happened, Lauren? As I ask every week, does what in the world happen with the Eagles? It's really uh, this simple. The, uh, the, the Giants lined up their players. Um, the Eagles lined up theirs. The, the Eagles defense got blown off the ball. Eagles offense couldn't get anything going. Uh, the Giants came into today uh, looking to ruin any chance that the Eagles thought they had to be that two seed. Now, it wouldn't have mattered anyway because Dallas ended up winning, but it got to the point where the Giants were dominated so much that, uh, you know, Nick Sirianni just, you know, he threw in the white flag and said, you know what, we're not coming back from this. Uh, let's start getting our backup players in. Um, Tyrod Taylor played amazing. He was, if you take if you take it by today's game, he was the best quarterback on the field, uh, using his mobility to uh, find open receivers. Uh, the most important one was Wondell Robinson. Uh, Tyrod Taylor had a good connection with Wondell Robinson. You get in close, Saquon was able to run in a, a couple of touchdowns, but on the Eagles side of the ball, the offense is at this point, it just looks stagnant. It's a tough offense to watch. Uh, it's many moons from where it was this time uh, last year. It's like watching them last season. They snap the ball. You see Jalen Hurts drop back, and you know it's a big play coming. Now when you watch the Eagles, it's like, Oh man, we gotta wait. Like Jalen, I'm sorry, Jalen Hurts is flushed from the pocket almost every drop back. Yes. That's what it's, that's what it seems like anyway. And then he, you know, he starts pressing and forcing, and that's what led to his uh, interception that he threw uh, into double coverage. And I think at that point it was 24 to zero, and that's when Sirianni just like, all right, let's <laughs> let's get these backup players in because. Even when A.J. Brown got hurt, the game wasn't close at that point either. And that was his first and only catch in the game. Now, they didn't have Devontae Smith, but you should be able to beat the Giants without Devontae Smith. But again, this on the other side, their defense, they've taken no strides. In fact, they've gotten worse. Much, much worse. Matt Patricia, maybe the only thing that could make the defense worse, and then he succeeded – and making the defense worse. And so I think you just the, the nail on the head of the Eagles is they're just a tough watch right now, which is stunning because the, the year and a half before that, after they got in gear halfway through the 2021 season, they'd been one of the most fun offenses to watch. Whether when whether they've been run heavy 
or last year when it was more big passing plays, they just been a fun to watch team and they've just been an eyesore for like six or seven weeks. And I don't know how hurt Jalen Hurts is. You know, that knee has been bothering him a long time. Now he's got the finger injury that he did play through against the Giants, but he's just so banged up heading into the playoffs. And like, what would you even say? Like everyone's the X factor when the team is struggling this badly. And the Eagles, got, they got the Bucks in round one. They got to go on the road to the Bucks. A rematch, I believe, of a wild card game from two years ago yeah. in Tampa. If there's an X factor, I mean, I know there's a lot of obvious answers to this. Who would you say is like the single most critical X factor for the Eagles right now? Well, I'm going to say it's A.J. Brown because he's the one who just left with a knee injury. Yes. Um, But furthermore, too, um, he's not consistently involved uh, with the offense at the point where they need him to be for the offense to be successful. But now we have to see the severity of his injury because he didn't return. Um, they they said it wasn't serious, but he was too after the game. Did you see the video? He was in the tunnel, standing on his legs, without any help. Yeah, kind of trying to like buck everyone up. Yeah, that, yeah. that was a good sign. But yeah, it's only, could be six days he had to get healthy. Right. So it's like it could not be a long term, but one week is not considered long term. Yeah, you know what I'm <laughs> saying so. But that one week could be really important because they'll need you for that game. Now, I do believe the Bucks' pass defense can definitely still be had. But what is the Eagles' defense going to do with this Bucks' offense that they didn't play well today against the Panthers? But we've seen them do it, and we've seen the Bucks' offense get going enough recently to feel like they, just like any other offense, can go up and down the field on the Eagles defense. It's going to be a weird matchup because yeah, the Bucks offense has been out of sync too. Baker Mayfield seems really hurt. And Mike Evans wasn't nearly as productive over the final month. This seems like they're a little out of sync too. So it's kind of like the get right bowl down in Tampa. And by the way, no offense to the fine people of Tampa. This stadium's going to be taken over by Eagles fans. I think um, they, they, they're going to need it. They, they are. They're going to need all the help they can get in that wild card round. Uh, the Giants, they need a lot of help this offseason, but the Giants are in such a weird spot, man, because they were just demonstrably better without Daniel Jones this year. But they, they got to stick with – Dan Jones at least got to stick on the roster next year. Yeah. And, you know, he, he's not as bad as he appeared this year, of course. But I don't know, man. He might be. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, he might be. I'm trying to be polite. He definitely might be. <laughs> but Might be. Might be. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, think yeah. he is. He might be. What do you want to say about the Giants heading into the offseason, putting – putting a, a period on their 2023, Lawrence. Yeah, well, I think, um, you know, young team there, especially on defense, a good, solid young defense. But on the offensive side of the balls where you're going to have the biggest question, and that's going to obviously come with Saquon Barkley, who has that uh, that tag looming that they could or that the Giants could or could not use. That'll be at $12.1 million now. They stuck that on them this year, but they may find that that could be too rich for their blood this time around because they just might want to start over uh, with things. They may not feel the need to, you know, pay their running back $12 million. It was a struggle with that this year. So we might have seen, um, you know, we might have seen Saquon Barkley uh, for the last time as a Giants, which uh, which is crazy. He always talk about wanting to 
you know, finish as a giant and what have you. But whatever the case, uh, he left it, you know, he ended with two touchdowns. So he had a good game. They got the win. But uh, it'll be interesting to see where they go because you got other guys too, like Darius Slayton, who's a Giants lifer. Um, they have a out in his co- a potential out in his contract. Same with Darren Waller. They could have a potential out there. So if they choose to go young on that side, you'll see guys like Jalen Hyatt and Wandale Robinson kind of take leadership roles in the offense. Yeah, which is what they're going to have to do. They're in like a kind of a weird yeah, cap situation with Daniel Jones. And just, it's, it's such a strange skill core. I, I don't understand why the Giants never warmed up to Darius Slayton. I mean, I, he made some ill-timed mistakes, I know. But, man, I would have worked so much harder to make Darius Slayton a bigger part of the offense than they did. Over This would be his second straight year leading the team and receiver, which it ain't saying much. No, that's hard to believe. Wow. You know, two back-to-back 700-yard-plus receiving seasons. Um, he's been their leading receiver, so it'll definitely be interesting. Uh, I mean, he's not old by any stretch of the imagination. He's about 27, 28 years old, so – you know, uh, well, we'll see what happens there. I mean, I, they clearly like him. They just never seem to love him. They've yeah. kept him on the roster, you know, this long. So um, it'll be interesting because there is a severe drop-off at the running back position um, after Saquon Barkley. So, yeah, they got a lot of questions they need to answer and figure out which – way they need to go but with the biggest one being Saquon Barkley's situation yeah they're just a team with no easy answers because of how strange their quarterback situation is how like this the receiver core is just a bizarre receiver core and then yeah Saquon Barkley they didn't develop anyone behind Saquon but I guess Eric Gray maybe heading in it I think they're gonna let Saquon walk just for all the reasons you laid out and a, a, a weird stat I just noticed that means absolutely nothing Darius Slayton, four of his five years, the Giants uh, finished between 700. He never had fewer than 700 yards, and he never reached 800. He, yeah, rip, that's rip. the kind of guy he is. It's like when Gus Edwards' first three years, yes, he, he yes. always rushed for 700 and <laughs> averaged five yards a carry, and then, you know, now he doesn't. The ultimate no more, no less player, Darius Slayton, uh, who I wish I'd just done, always been gotten a little more opportunities, but – I, I digress. Uh, Lawrence, really good stuff as always. Really good stuff all year on the pod. Really good stuff all year with Mr. Matthew Berry. We'll, we'll check you out in the Fantasy Football Happy Hour this week. Thanks for stopping by. Yes, sir. Appreciate it. We now welcome in Mr. Zach Kruger, who's going to talk about the Lions defeating the Vikings 30-20 to and the Cowboys sending the Commanders into the offseason with a 38-10 to defeat. Real quick, going to mention the Seahawks beating the Cardinals 21-20. to This was a wild game. Uh, the Cardinals playing a lot better down the stretch, kind of answering their Kyler Murray question if they would stick with him or not for 2024. Not that it's much of a question. I believe he's due $35 million in guaranteed money. Be Couldn't be cut. He'd be a little compl- – he'd be very complicated to trade, a little less complicated to trade than cut. But I, I, don't, I don't think it's a Justin Fields situation. I think Kyler Murray will be back with the Cardinals. The Seahawks, they're the team kind of at crossroads, including even Mr. Pete Carroll. Uh, Tyler Lockett, they're all re- they're all still under contract, so maybe kind of status quo. Geno Smith, I can't remember Zach. I think Geno Smith is signed for at least one more year in Seattle. But two really weird teams. Uh, yeah, Geno's still signed. There may be weird teams to talk about this offseason. 
The Lions, uh, they're in the playoffs. They fought valiantly for the number two seed. They did not get it. They are the number three seed. Zach and the kind of classic at what cost? Mr. Sam Laporta is hurt. It seems like he's avoided the worst, but it seems like he has not avoided a multi-week injury. Um, that's looking like a real bad blow for the Lions for the wild card. What, what do you want to say about the Lions heading into the wild card round? Uh, so I, you, you kind of already hit on it. The, the issue is going to be Sam Laporta. The good news is, like you said, that the early belief is that he avoided the worst with the knee injury that didn't look good uh, in real time, didn't look good on the replay either. Actually, on the broadcast, you could audibly hear Sam Laporta scream as he went to the ground, which never, uh, is, uh, never is, is a good look for a player. But um, yeah, so so the initial diagnosis right now is they're saying it's a hyperextended knee and a bone bruise. Again, not as severe as what you know we would have feared as far as ligaments in the knees and things like that go. But it being you know not as severe, you know, quote unquote, good news doesn't quite carry as much weight when you realize that we're now heading into the playoff portion of the season and the Lions could you know theoretically be looking at a one and done in the playoffs if they don't win this week and then they're down one of their best offensive weapons for their first playoff game since 2016. So you you mentioned that what cost did Dan Campbell try to get this number two seed? We were actually talking about it in the NBC Slack earlier, so it was it was already absurdly low. I think ESPN had. The Lions a 2.7% chance to even secure the number two C. And then as Kyle Dvorak had pointed out to us in the chat, even if the Lions had secured that two seed, it really would have only come into play if the game set up in such a way where where they were actually going to be in position to have a home field advantage against another team. Like it wasn't just going to be they were going to walk into home field advantage right away with that two-seater or, or something of that nature that Kyle had laid out where they were playing for more than just that absurdly low 2.7% outcome. They needed a few other things to even break right in the playoff schedule for it to hit. So uh, as much as I love Dan Campbell, I'm not sure he fully thought this one through. The the Laporta injury is probably going to keep him out for the wild card round. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, he'll, he'll be good to go, but he got a little dinged up in the game at one point in time. Uh, there was also an injury to Khalif Raymond where I saw after the game that it was um, essentially not a good um, diagnosis for him. Not necessarily the worst, but also not um, something that you know is is going to be good heading into the playoffs. The Lions could also be in need of a new return man. So, at what cost did Dan Campbell try to secure this uh, number two seed? I would say at pretty tremendous cost, and it, it could really kind of hurt the Lions heading into the the wild card weekend against, I believe, the Rams revenge game for me. It is Stafford. the the Stafford Bowl. Yeah, you want to get healthy heading into the playoffs. You they do the exact opposite. Man, it's just too like I I know I feel spoiled complaining about more football, but. The 17th regular season game, playing regular season football in January. All these teams are already so banged up. Like any extra game you add, I feel it's. I feel like it's not a one in 17 chance of getting hurt. Like the odds get higher of getting seriously injured as the season goes on. You're already playing through so many other things. You're compensating for other things. Man, I just feel like you've really seen the seven the 17th week was really bad for the league wide injury landscape this week. But the Lions, they are moving on. They're the three seed in the NFC. The Vikings are not moving on, despite several valiant efforts from like number three and four quarterbacks in the depth chart. Nick Mullins, 396 yards. Justin Jefferson, man, he missed seven games, went over a thousand yards this season. Uh, who's a Viking? There's a lot of a lot of interesting Vikings. It's not like you wanted to maybe mention two Vikings setting in the offseason. Who are two guys you want to lay out as we uh, ring in 2024? I did want to mention. I did want to mention two Vikings, um, and it started with Jordan Addison. So we'll hit on him first, and then I kind of moved on to Ty Chandler. So Jordan Addison wrapped up a season 
Uh, 70 receptions, 911 yards, 10 touchdowns. Pat, he is one of 16 wide receivers in league history to finish with 10 or more receiving touchdowns as a rookie in his season. Man. So um, that is very good company. I did not save the uh, the list there, but some some good names were on there, as you might imagine. I think Mike Evans may have been on there, Odell Beckham Jr., a few more. Just a lot of good names and good company to be in. And uh, Jordan Addison is now a part of that elite group of 16 wide receivers with 10 or more touchdowns in their rookie season. Um, the other thing I didn't want to overlook with Addison because it's been such a long season as we already pointed out we may look back and remember he functioned as the vikings wide receiver one for that seven week span when justin jefferson was out the hamstring injury and and still managed to turn in a solid outing averaging 60 62.4 receiving yards per game over that span he definitely sprinkled in a couple of wide receiver one weeks there my, my end of season jordan addison take is that as far as you know Obviously, Justin Jefferson is always going to kind of be that thorn in his side in terms of target volume and overall fantasy production. But I thought Jordan Addison in large was as advertised heading into the season. There was some concerns about his size heading into the year, but I think he kind of cast those aside heading into the offseason with the healthy year, a very productive year, nearly hit 1,000 yards as a rookie, um, and then the 10 touchdowns that I already touched on here. So Addison is is a player who I'm very high on heading into the 2024 offseason. And then another guy who I had slept on, um, I've slept on him for a while now because he, he, I would say he fell on the line of fantasy darling turn, not so darling turn now, now <laughs> Now, now we like him again is is ty chandler um he he had a chance in week, week 15 when alexander madison was out with i believe it was an ankle injury you probably remember that better than i would but in a week 15 contest against the cincinnati bengals ty chandler had a chance to play and he ended up ripping off 23 carries for 132 yards and a touchdown and it just kind of became the ty chandler show the rest of the way i looked back over the last Four weeks of the season among 24 running backs with a minimum 50 rush attempts. Ty Chandler ranked fourth in yards per carry, fifth in yards after contact per attempt, first in stuff rate. So with that, that's the low number. He wasn't getting stuffed that often at 7.4%. And then 15th in missed tackles force rate. He was he was a top 15 back in several categories, top five in, in a handful as well. Um, and he's under contract on a cheap deal through 2025. His age is a little bit concerning, but I think that the last four weeks kind of told us that the Vikings are more than willing to be out on Alexander Madison if they see a better back come along. Certainly, we have a long offseason ahead of us between free agency and the draft, and even trades could upset this. But Ty Chandler has a potential fantasy value in 2024, whether it's in Dynasty or in redraft leagues, I think is very much going to be on the table after he had a relatively solid month to close out the season and immediately knocked Madison off the off the fantasy radar um, to close things out. So Ty Chandler is someone who I'm definitely going to be watching heading into the 2024 offseason, especially given his cheap deal that he's on. The only weird thing is Alexander Madison, who it seemed like they barely wanted to re-sign to begin with. He, he somehow has yeah. $2.75 million guaranteed next year, which that's not going like, to get you into the starting job or whatever. But he will be hanging around, which is kind of annoying for Ty Chandler, who showed more juice yeah, over the past month than Alexander Madison did in four years. Ty Chandler has the leg up on the number one. Yeah, and and I and I and I did mention that I think in the Madison blurb as well. He is still under contract through next season, so he's going to be there. He's going to be around, but. 
for them to just kind of throw him out the you know out out the window after a highly successful or Ty Chandler week fifteen, I thought was kind of interesting. And the fact they kept on rolling with Chandler, and even in a game like, I mean, it, if there's going to be a time where you're going to get a good sense of where they stand with Alexander Madison, you think it would be in a must win game against the Lions like we saw today, and it was still Chandler who led the way for much of the for much of the day. So I th- I think he is you know kind of in that in that front runner position to be the Vikings RB one until we see how you know free agency in the draft play out our final game of the day the, the cowboys 38 to 10 over the commanders the cowboys punching their ticket as the number two seed all they had to do was win and they were in as the second seed uh, they have home field advantage at least until the nfc championship game where they would maybe have to travel to santa clara california if the 49ers lose in the division around the nfc championship game would they be in dallas texas or uh, not Dallas, what town, Arlington, whatever town they're in. Um, a good day for the Cowboys. Not so great for the Commanders. Uh, we'll talk. We'll end with the Commanders. Who, who's your Cowboys X factor heading this wild card? And we know there's a lot of obvious answers always to this question, but just when you think the Cowboys in the wild card round and you know, so, so much expectations for the Cowboys, this, this is their best chance in years. Who would you pick as the X factor? So Dak Prescott, I think, is like the super obvious one. I'm not even going to bother getting to that. You know, Dak Prescott, MVP caliber season. I think he closed out the year with 36 total touchdown passes after another four today against the Commanders. He's obviously at the top there, but his chemistry with CeeDee Lamb over the final three weeks of the season has just been absolutely insane. Week 16 against the Dolphins, 6, 118, and 1 for Lamb. The week 17 contest against the Lions, 13 receptions, 227 yards, and one touchdown. And then even this past game against the Commanders uh, that we saw just today, 13 catches on 13 targets, 98 yards, and two touchdowns. And and Lamb could have had way more if he wanted to. He the the Commanders, uh, or I'm sorry, the Cowboys basically pulled the majority of their starters after um, the, their first drive in the fourth quarter. So I think the Cowboys had roughly two drives in the fourth quarter without their starters in. It was a non-competitive game, as the score indicates. Uh, Lamb and Lamb and Dak kind of came in and got things done. So I, I really think as as much as it is staying the obvious to say that a guy who had basically 500 receiving yards over a three-week span as an X-factor <laughs> in a playoff game, it goes without saying that CeeDee Lamb is that guy. He's He's been a consistently relied on target for Dak Prescott all season, 135 catches, 1,700 total receiving yards. It's been a truly insane season for CeeDee Lamb, for a team that, mind you, we were laughing at the start of this season about how Mike McCarthy was going to establish the run and never attempt to pass ever again. And CeeDee Lamb comes out and and has 28 more receptions than he did in 2022, nearly 400 more receiving yards, and then he had a career high in touchdowns. So Lamb is the X factor. I would also say if I wanted to get a little bit more We'll say deep, for lack of a better word, in the moment here. But the, but the Cowboys' red zone offense has, has kind of been an issue all season long. I would say that another X factor is going to be how they're able to capitalize on the red zone against a, a Packers defense. That's about league average when it comes to red zone defense. Certainly not you know a stud, but the Cowboys' red zone offense has been documented towards uh, being one of the ones that struggled more than others, especially with uh, not having a true goal line back like they did with Ezekiel Elliott the year before. Tony Pollard did punch in a one-yard touchdown in this game, but who can't punch in a one-yard touchdown against the commanders, <laughs> especially with Jonathan Allen out. So I think that red zone offense will be something to watch as well. We'll have a lot more Cowboys talk as the week rolls on. But, Zach, you watched almost an illegal amount of commanders football this year. And uh, you're, you're for better or worse, you're commandos, the commies, the commanders, expert, whatever you want to call them. Uh, you've seen as much commanders football as anyone in America this year. And 
a lot of storylines, including well, we have no idea who the coach is going to be next year. We don't really know who the quarterback is going to be next year. It's yet another offseason of change for the commanders. With that caveat out of the way, the, what's something with the commanders you want to highlight heading into the offseason? So I think the thing to highlight with the commanders heading into the offseason is really just going to be the amount of change that we're going to see. Uh, Ron Rivera is all but done in Washington. With that could also be the end of Eric Bieniemy. There's going to be people who are going to suggest that maybe he should be the head coach or at least have a shot at being the head coach heading into next season. Uh, I do not subscribe to that belief for for all the good things that Eric Bieniemy did in Kansas City during his time with the Chiefs. I felt like there was a lot of times during the season that uh, certain game plans, certain play calling decisions with the commanders just lacked some situational awareness and overall uh you know op- optimal strategy for a fifth round quarterback who clearly struggled at times that the for as much as i'm a, a proponent of the passing game i felt that even the commanders were a little bit too pass heavy given given the their quarterback and the, the situation around him with the offensive line as well so uh eric Bieniemy could also be on the outs which will be a new head coach and offensive coordinator hopefully we also get a new gm who who can uh bring in or a uh, GM. They've, they've had a pretty unorthodox approach in the yes. front office, the commanders. It, it, it's been coach-centric, led led, led by yeah. Ron Rivera, who actually just said the other week how for the last three and a half years he's basically been managing, and now he's finally been coaching over the last five weeks. Uh, Ron day. Rivera and a microphone are just – it's been an atrocious combination for the last several years and really bad yes. this year in particular. But, um, yeah, there's going to be a lot of changes. Uh, the commanders that secure the number two overall pick, certainly that's probably going to go towards a quarterback. It, it, it cannot continue to be the Sam Howell experiment. Um, I would even dare to say that Sam Howe could actually be on the roster bubble next year, depending on who the commanders bring in. We know that offensive-oriented coaches, which if, if that's what the commanders are targeting, we know how they like to bring in a backup, familiar with their system, who they trust, who can help groom a rookie quarterback who's coming in. And if that's the case and, the, and they want to go with a more modern-day NFL offense that has just two quarterbacks and like a quarterback three hanging on the practice squad or uh, back of the roster, then Sam Howe could actually be outplayed in camp and go from being the starter this year to perhaps all the way down to the quarterback three, depending on some roster decisions and who they bring in. So uh, the quarterback situation will be interesting to watch. Terry McLaurin, I believe he's 29 heading into next season. He just capped his fourth straight 1,000-yard season. I think he has enough in the tank to still be a serviceable wide receiver, too, for fantasy if he gets the right coach and quarterback in the system, something that he's never had for really any portion of his career. So, um, and, and then on top of that, the cap, the commanders have, I believe, the most available cap space heading into 2024 of any team in the league, which is just interesting from a number of perspectives from their offensive line to uh, maybe a, another running back behind Brian Robinson. Cause I think Antonio Gibson's probably on the way out. So there's going to be a lot of overhaul with this offense in the next couple of months. Thanks in part to high draft capital and also elite cap space. Now the question is going to be whether or not they can capitalize on it. Um, so the commanders will be a team to certainly watch from a, a number of angles, but it'll probably get started with the coaching search, which is going to get underway as early as probably tomorrow morning when Ron Rivera has to sit down with Josh Harris and explains how the team he took over in 2020, which is atrocious, is somehow arguably worse than what it was four years ago. Well, they did make the playoffs at least once at 7 uh, we, 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 uh, Only the fans are counting that, which I am not one, so we, we don't talk about yeah, that. We do not talk about that one. And yeah, the, the fresh... The, fr- the post-Dan Snyder commander's fresh start is getting even fresher this offseason, I think is the main takeaway for this team, who it... They are starting over. Uh, we are not starting over this show because it is over. Over. Um, thank you so much to Danny Carter, 
to Kyle Dvorak, to Eric Smolsky, to Lawrence Jackson, to Aditya Foldiore, and to Mr. Zachary Kruger, who, again, you watched a stunning amount of Commander's football. The, the, Haz- my, hazard pay. Is my lawyers will be my lawyers they will, will be in touch. They already have been. Documenting the hours I have spent watching this game. <laughs> they already have been. I haven't responded to their letter yet. Um, I'm trying to get trying to get quote lawyered up to respond. Well, you're gonna need a good one, pal. <laughs> thank you, thank you for that. No, seriously, thank you so much, Zach, and thank you to, again, all of our analysts and everyone for listening. Uh, this show will be back this week. We're gonna preview the wild card round from every possible angle. Keep it locked to rotorworld.com where Zach Kruger and company will be updating all the latest injury news, coaching news. It's gonna be a wild week. Keep it locked to rotorworld.com. So for Zach, I'm Pat. Thanks for listening. We will be back soon. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.